We're all dying. We're all dying from the day we are born. Just a long, slow journey, hopefully, for most of us. At some point, it happens, whether by accident or choice or just natural causes. We all hit it sometime. Today on the show, we have several stories about individuals who feel like they're dying, and in some cases do, in fact, die. But all along, it seems there's something else there, kind of nudging them forward a little bit quicker than they otherwise should be going. Here about a dark entity that seems to exacerbate an already difficult situation as one man slowly dies from his addictions. And then, is there such a thing as a curse? One woman believes that she may be the victim of a black magic curse. She struggles to try and figure out why nothing will go right. Why seemingly such bad luck is following her everywhere she goes. To quite a comical extent. Comical if it weren't so dark. Is she cursed? Is there a way to break it? Those stories and more today in EPP bonus episode number 420. Yep, it's that one. (laughs) My name is Tony Brisky. Stay with us. In life, we have demons. And it's not always what we're thinking of in terms of demonic something floating off in the corner or taking us over. But we have our internal demons, things that we'd like to change about ourselves, things that we struggle with, things that we battle, that we have difficulty overcoming, things that hold us back from being the best version of ourselves. In our next story, we hear about someone struggling with their own demons, struggling with addiction, an addiction that does eventually take their life. And through that struggle, there seems to be a door that opens to the other side, another side that is waiting and maybe they're ready to help that person come over or stay where they are. Take a listen. I'm a fairly new listener and was recently listening to your Dark Energy podcast from several months ago. And felt the urge to write in when you read the email from the person who struggled with addictions when she was younger. My husband was a severe alcoholic for much of our life. We were married when we were 18 years old and stayed married almost 30 years. And honestly, it was not easy. We both had issues we struggled with that affected everything. My husband was a drinker when I met him in high school at age 16, drinking 
age at that time was 18 and his parents owned a bar. I immediately became the designated driver when we'd go out with friends. But other than that, for the first four years, it was just casual drinking as we relaxed at home about once or twice a month. We graduated high school and moved in together at age 17, got married at age 18, and when we were 20, our son was born. I developed serious medical issues during the pregnancy and almost died during the delivery. About a month after I got out of the hospital, I opened up a closet door and 100 vodka bottles fell out. There had not been any in the house until that time. I could tell that the thought of almost having become a single father terrified him and he wasn't coping with it well at all. It didn't help the situation either that I was still sick or struggled with postpartum depression for the next five years too. Luckily, I was able to get with a great therapist who gave me the steps toward healing. My husband and I went to marriage counseling. He went into rehab and I recovered my health. When my husband was 28 years old, he became physically disabled due to a genetic blood problem. At the initial diagnosis for his medical condition, he was told he had five to 10 years to live. Once we got the financial struggles under control, we took a vacation and eventually moved permanently to a beautiful area in the center of the country that allowed him to still do activities he loved to do before his disability, like hunt, fish, etc. Because there were so fewer people here than where we used to live. This open space allowed him to drive to the places where he could just park his truck, take a few steps, and relax as he finished, fished, which is all his medical condition allowed. Things went well for several years, though there were some emotional adjustments we needed to make, such as getting used to the isolation and him now being the at-home dad. He went into an outpatient rehab program again to help him stay focused on his sobriety, and it seemed like we were moving forward. Then in 1999, his best friend was killed in a plane accident a mile away from our home. My husband was supposed to be on that plane as well, but I had a premonition and begged him not to go, so he didn't. Everyone in the small plane died, and the investigators never were able to determine the cause of the crash. After the accident, my husband would make comments often about how he should have died too. His alcoholism got worse over time, and as much as we tried, including multiple rehabs again, nothing we did helped him get past it. My favorite grandfather passed away in 2011 at age 95 from cancer, and my husband said two weeks later he saw my grandfather standing on our back deck laughing. Six months after this sighting of my grandfather, my husband began to show signs the alcohol was affecting his mind. He had extreme mood swings, violent outbursts often. It was like living with Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. At the time of his death, the doctor said he developed dementia from the alcoholism, and that explains so much about the changes to his behavior. Ironically, he lived 20 years after his initial blood condition diagnosis and died in 2012 from an alcohol overdose that caused liver failure the day before his 49th birthday. If he had stopped drinking, he would probably have outlived me. During his last days at the hospital, he became agitated about a visitor he just had. He said the visitor was a stranger who was dressed in all black and was confronting him about all the terrible things that he did in the past. When my son and I talked to the nurse about who the visitor could be, she said he didn't have any. 
and he was under constant surveillance in the ICU and his bed was positioned about 15 feet from the nurse's station and fully visible. After he died, even weirder things began to happen. Some people say it's just hallucinations because I was grieving so much, but I know it was more than that. At first, I heard my husband's voice as I drove to back to our hometown with half of his ashes to give to his mother. It was freezing cold that day, and I had a 14-hour drive ahead of me. I popped a CD of 80s road trip songs into the player to keep me alert, which turned out to be a mistake. It was all the songs we listened to when we were teenagers, just starting to date. I cried as the memories flowed during the trip. I had his ashes on the seat next to me, and at one point I began to wonder if he was cold. Crazy, I know, but then I heard him say, Hun, you just had me cremated. I don't think being cold is an issue anymore. I laughed and then cried more as I traveled the miles, convinced I was beginning to lose my mind. Shortly after I returned to our current home from the trip, things began to move into the house. Once I set something down in the bathroom sink to comb my hair, and as I began to look away, the item lifted off the sink, spun quickly around by itself, and then returned to where I'd originally set it. I jumped back and was so terrified I ran from the house. Once outside, though, I realized I had no place to go. So I took a deep breath, went back in. Didn't feel negative. I was just frightened by the unknown of what was happening. I assumed it was my grandfather and made a short list of rules. No moving things in front of me, no scaring me, etc. For a little while, I was on high alert waiting for other extreme weirdness to happen again, but nothing did for some time. I knew Grandpa was around because I felt protected and loved. I noticed when things were moved. They just weren't moving when I was looking at them anymore. In fact, one month Grandpa and I argued, yes, argued with a ghost. I had a locking cabinet that I kept my cookbooks in, over 120 of them filled with healthy recipes. I was eating a lot of junk food at the time because I didn't feel like exerting the effort to cook during my grief, and it was affecting my health. I'd come around the corner into the kitchen and the cabinet would be open. I'd close it, lock it, leave the room, and sure enough, it was unlocked and open again when I went back into the room every single day. Friends even saw it happening. After arguing for a month, I finally caved in and began to take better care of myself and the cabinet has stayed locked since. Knowing he's here has given me great comfort. I began to notice the dark entity that was also here as my grief went into the worst stages. I'm an empath and can feel other people's emotions and energy, which is why I could tell it was here. My grief would come in waves. Some days were tolerable. Some days I could even laugh with friends. And on the worst days, I would just distract myself until the pain faded away until the next wave, which did get less and less over time. When the dark entity made itself known, I could feel an extremely deep depression creep in. When it was around, and it was around often, I'd get thoughts about harming myself. I was never like that before. I'd feel hopeless and just shut down emotionally to the point that I'd isolate myself for days, which only made it worse. This was more than grief. Grief was all about the loss and the pain of missing someone so desperately. This was almost like being around a Dementor from the Harry Potter movies. I could literally feel this entity draining my soul and trying to take my life. 
The more I could feel it affecting me, the more I realized that this was also the same energy I felt around my husband that sapped him of his life. It was darkness, sadness, despair, all in one being. Not one to give up, I fought back. One of the worst things in the world to experience is watching someone who was your soulmate destroy themselves bit by bit and being unable to do anything to stop it. That's going to wrap up the preview portion of EPP bonus episode number 420 in part two. Hear the rest of what's going on here with this individual's addiction and eventual demise. And what happens after death? Are they still floating around? Also, is there such a thing as a curse? One woman believes that she may be living it right now. Is there a way to ever break it? To hear this and all of our bonus episodes, all 420 of them, Sign up to be an extra podcast person. And EPP, as we call them, sign up at ghostpodcast.com or patreon.com slash real ghost stories. Get access to all of our bonus material, all of it, advanced episodes, all commercial free. You can binge away right now with no ads. Thousands upon thousands of episodes waiting for you. Go to ghostpodcast.com. Until next time, for all of us at Real Ghost Stories Online, I'm Tony Bruschi. Thanks for listening.